1: And I'm here to tell you today that the blame game is always a lame game. It's an excuse. All it does is lead you astray. And so if temptation is not coming from God, if we can't look to Him, where do we look?
0: Welcome to the Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis.
1: See, desire in and of itself is not sin, just like temptation is not sin. It's not a sin to be tempted, it's a sin to give in to temptation. So I want you to go back to that list that you have of your tempting issues. And I want you to think about this. You can either feed or you starve your temptations. Those things you desire, you're either feeding them, you're giving them what they want, or you're starving them. You're saying, no, we're not going to do that. I hear you. Some of you are still saying, I just don't think I struggle that much. Yeah, you do. There's something It may be different for you than it is for me or the person that you're closest to, but there's something, something that could cause you to really mess up. How do you know that? Well, here's what I believe. I believe every one of us are capable of just about anything given the right circumstance, situation, and bad hair day. Think of the worst sin you can imagine. Maybe think of the person that has hurt you the most. Could you do that? Well, according to scripture you could this is what the bible says in jeremiah 17:9 listen to this the heart is deceitful above all things desperately sick who can understand it i remember a time in my life it's about 20 years ago now i'd sinned i'd hurt people that loved me i dishonored the lord i'd repented and was on the path to restoration and healing and I was talking to my good friend on the phone. I can remember where I was, the exact spot where I said, I don't understand how I messed up. I don't understand how I sinned in this way. I just would have never thought I'd have done that. That's not my heart. And then I heard a little bit of silence on the other end of the phone. And he said, yes, it is. And until you understand that, you're you're never going to get where you need to be until you understand that your heart is deceitful, that your heart is wicked, and until you understand that you're capable of anything, then these desires that wage war in you against your flesh, boy, you're going to continue to give in to them. Why? It's because of the second word. Not only desire on the trail to temptation, but deception. So James says this. you're, You're lured away by your own desire you're enticed and he uses two terms one's a fishing term one's a hunting term the fishing term that lure what do we think about what is lure it's it's bait and there's different kinds of bait that's used to catch different kinds of fish you know what happened during the last service as i was preaching this message while I'm preaching, somebody started texting me all their pictures of the fish they had caught. And they said, you're right. Look at what I caught with my bait. Uh, a lot of you are fishermen or fisherwomen, and you love that. And you know that if you go out into the Gulf, you're going to use a certain kind of bait to catch certain kind of fish. If, if you come into fresh water, you're going to use a different kind of bait to catch a different kind of fish. And do you know that the enemy knows what kind of bait is necessary to get you on the hook? He deceives you. That's why I use that hunting term too, to, to just let you know that there are traps out there. Just like a bear walking through a forest. You may not see it, but if you're not careful, you'll, you'll step into it and, and it'll get you into trouble. So what do you do? You look for the hook. You watch out. You, you make sure that you're uh, aware of these different kinds of deceptions. Why? Because he comes to steal and kill and destroy. That's what he's always done. He courts you. If you're married, I want you to think back to when you started courting your spouse. I hope you did that. (laughs) I did. I remember when Kimberly and I first met, I wanted to learn everything she liked. I wanted to know what kind of flower she preferred. I I wanted to know what color she liked and what kind of clothes she liked to wear. I, I wanted to know what kind of jewelry she liked to wear. Why? Because as I was courting her, I wanted to give her those gifts that would impress her. By the way, we've been married over 25 years now and <laughs> you got to keep up because women change. And, and so her her preferences, her desires, her like have changed. And so I've had to keep courting her. Did you know the enemy does that to you? He knows what you like. He knows what bait will get your attention. And just because you're strong in this area, don't don't assume that he's going to let you go over in this area over here. So you have to look out for the hook. That's his game plan. It's always been his game plan. Remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness? Satan, Satan used the same temptation tools and tactics that he uses for you. First, he tempted Jesus with physical appetite. Hey, Jesus, think about how this would make you feel. Aren't you hungry? Turn that stone to bread. Physical appetite. He'll do that with you, particularly when you're young. That's why the Bible says, flee youthful lust. Watch out for those things you think will make you feel good in the moment. Physical appetite. And then he says he'll use personal ambition. Oh, Jesus, if you just do this, and everybody will fall down and know that you're God. And the older you get, particularly at midlife, ambition becomes a big thing. And the enemy will use that. You won't care who you step over or step on just to fulfill your ambition. And then as you get a little older, he'll use this third thing he used on Jesus, your spiritual allegiance. Oh, oh, Jesus, don't you want people to acknowledge this? You can just speak and the angels will be at your command. The older you get, you begin to think, what do I really believe? You see the difficulty, the trouble in the world and you think, "Eh, would God really do this? And Satan uses that same old song on your life. So you watch out for his deception. You look. For the hook. Because if not. You might just get caught. In the cookie jar. Heard about this little boy. He looked around. The coast was clear. So he couldn't reach. So he climbed up on the counter. He opened the cookie jar. He put his hand down in it. And just as he prepared to reach his hand out. His mom walked around the corner. She said Johnny. What in the world are you doing? He just looked at her. He froze for a second. He said mom. I'm just fighting temptation. (laughs) If you're not careful, desire will lead you to fall to the deception of the enemy, and disobedience will take place. Your hand will be in the cookie jar. You'll act on that and it now becomes sin. Sin is when I disobey God, when I don't do the things he tells me to or I do the things he tells me not to do. And, and please understand this. Some of you need to hear this. This is the reason God woke you up this morning and the reason God's allowing you to hear this message. You need to know that continual flirting will always result in certain falling. If you keep playing with sin, you're going to end up losing the game. I know that because the Bible says this in Proverbs 6, Can a man carry fire next to his chest and clothes and not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? The reality is you play with fire, you're going to get burned. Disobedience will result. Desire attacks our emotions, how we feel. Deception attacks our intellect, what we think. But disobedience is an action of our will. We've acted on it. And the truth is, in this room today, some of you are at different stages. Some of you just got a desire and you're fighting it. Man, that's why you're here. You're, I mean, you got your hands up. You're ready to take on hell with a water pistol because you know, man, it's getting tough. It's getting hot. Some of you are being deceived and you're thinking, man, if my wife loved me and looked at me like she loves me and looked at me, then things would be better and I wouldn't have to do this. Or, boy, I know this is maybe cheating, but you don't know how bad my finances got. Or fill in the blank, whatever your temptation is, you're deceived. And then some of you have acted. You got your mouth on the hook. And you need to be aware of what this fourth stage in the trail of temptation is. Because the fourth stage is death. But I don't want you to miss the moment here. This is not just physical death. Though that is a certainty for all of us. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. And then the judgment. We will all die one day. But no death when it's talked about in scripture. Always is referring not just physically. But to a soul death. Specifically to a separation from God. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden. Right? Adam and Eve sinned. And in that moment they broke the relationship with God. That's why Jesus had to come, because our relationship with God is broken. Our sins are in the way of our relationship with him. That's why the Bible says in Romans 5, verse 8, that God demonstrated his love for us, and that while we were sinners, Christ died. Why would would Christ die? Because somebody had to die, because death is the punishment for sin, because sin causes death. So when Jesus died on the cross, in that moment where he said, it is finished, and the world became dark, and the earth shook and the veil was torn in the temple why did that take place because in that moment Jesus was separated there was death and he did that so that you and I don't have to experience it but every time we give in to sin that's exactly what happens Hi I'm Paul Purvis the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect the Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to the Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. That's why the wise one in Proverbs tells us, hey, there's a way that seems right to man, but the end is death. And some of you are—you've experienced that. You—you you took that drink, and it, it led you down a path that caused you to take another and another and another, and things begin to die in your life. And a marriage died, or a job died, or your relationships at church died. Or same thing in a in an immoral or inappropriate relationship. You, you thought you could just take that step and maybe have that hug or that extended embrace or that stolen glance, but. That led to another and another and another. And then a marriage died. And, and other things began to die in your life. And you were separated from God. And those are, those are just two flashy examples. But that's what sin does. You, you think in the moment it's going to be okay. And it always leads to death. And James is saying, hey, don't sacrifice your future on the altar of the present. Don't let it lead you to death. This is actually very graphic. So I want to apologize in advance. And if you hang out around me, I don't do that very often. But this is a graphic description of the impact of sin. Because he literally uses the word disobedience results in the conception. Sin is conceived and death is born. Why would he use that language? I think this is why. Some of you can remember what it was like to experience the joy of pregnancy in a family. You begin to think about that birth of that child. The baby's room. The the crib and all that would be prepared. You picked out a name. You thought about all the life experiences you were going to enjoy. You were looking forward to what was coming. But then at that moment of birth. The baby was born still. Still are dead a stillborn child it's hard to imagine a worse tragedy in life and that's the graphic picture the brother of jesus uses to describe the danger of sin. You go down this path and you're all excited. The grass looks greener. You think everything's going to be great. You think life is going to be wonderful. I'm now going to have the wife I wanted. I'm now going to have the husband I wanted. I'm now going to have the job I wanted. I now I've got the money I wanted. I now I've got it my way. I don't feel the pain. I, I've drank this or I've smoked this or I've injected this and I don't feel anything. Everything's good. But the end result is death. And that's God's math. Because it says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is always death. And if I were to stop right there, it would be one of the most discouraging messages from Scripture you could ever hear. But that's not where it stops. Because the Bible says there's a way out. You don't have to succumb to temptation. You don't have to give in to sin. You don't have to experience that soul death, that separation from God. That's what we talked about when we looked last week at First Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you. That's not common to man. Everybody's experienced temptation, but God's faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. That means when temptation comes your way, if God's allowed that, He's given you a way out. With the temptation, He provides a way of escape, an exit, and you'll be able to endure it. So if you're going to temptation, look around you. See the red exit signs. God is giving you a way out. And notice what it says with the temptation. You know what that means? In the moment. Even up to the moment of acting on the sin, God has given you a way out. He's saying, you don't have to go through this. And that's how I want to close. I want to give you just a, a few words that describe that way out. Just as there were words that helped us know how to handle the trials, these are words that help us know how to handle temptation. The first one is this, resist James is going to tell us in James chapter 4 and verse 7, when you submit yourself therefore to God, you're able to resist the devil and he will flee from you. Think about that. You can resist the devil. You can resist the devil. Some of you just need to say that to yourself right now. I can resist the devil. Why? Because he's a defeated foe. He can make a lot of noise, but he's lost the battle. You can resist him. That's so why the Bible tells you to stand firm. You look in Ephesians chapter 6 about, six about fighting spiritual battles. He, he tells you again and again and again, stand firm. You can resist him. Stand firm. How do you do that? Romans 13, 14. You put on Jesus. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh. Determine not to gratify, gratify the desire. So there comes a moment where you've got to say, stop. That's enough. I'm not gonna do this anymore. I'm not gonna just satisfy myself in the moment. I'm not gonna try to fulfill my desires based on something that's apart from God. I'm gonna resist. But then after I resist, I remember. And what do I remember? I remember God's goodness. James chapter one, these next verses tell us about God's goodness. He says in verse 16, "'Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. Remember God's goodness. Every good gift. He's a good God. I learned that as a child. I think I learned it right after Jesus loves me. I learned this. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Our God is so good, and He's so good to you. And these verses tell us what He does. He gives you good gifts, they're perfect gifts, and they're constantly coming your way. That's who He is. When you think that's not who He is, you have to be wrong because He doesn't change. The Bible tells us in Psalms 119 68 you are good. And you do good things. You do good. And in Psalms 84 and verse 11, it says, No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So remember God and his goodness. I've resisted the devil. It's like Martin Luther said I, I can't keep the birds from flying over my head, but I can keep them from building a nest in my hair. So I resist. And then I remember. I remember the goodness of God. And then I rely. What do I rely on? I rely on his word verse 18 says of his own will he brought forth by the word of truth Hey, I want you to understand something. How did jesus battle temptation in the wilderness? Through the word of truth So satan said to him. Hey You're hungry. Jesus. I know it turn that stone to bread and jesus said hey man shall not live by bread alone Then the next temptation, what did Jesus say? Oh, the Bible says worship God and him only should you serve. And the third temptation, what did Jesus say? He quoted scripture again. Don't test the Lord your God. Here's my question for you. If you are tempted today, do you have a resource of scripture through which to fight temptation? Have you depended upon the word of God to battle temptation? Psalms 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Rely. Rely on his word. And then the fourth one would be renew. Renew. Just say, God, would you do what you did for David? What did God do after David's sin? By the way, David had this pattern, didn't he? He was minding his own business, not where he should have been. He should have been at battle, but he was at home, so he's up on his roof looking over, and he sees Bathsheba. What's she doing? Taking a bath. That's why we call her Bathsheba. She was, she was desirous, and so he gave in to the desire. He was deceived to think everything was going to be okay. Why would it matter? I'm the king. Nobody's here. I can do what I want. He acted in disobedience, and it led to death. It separated him and his relationship with God as a chosen king. And his family experienced his death. But what did David say? Oh God, would you create in me a clean heart? Renew a right spirit within me. So in verse 18, it says that out of his will, God brought us forth from the word of truth so that we should be kind of firstfruits. What does that mean, first fruits? He's simply saying that of all the things in the world, you are what matters to God. And when you understand that, it should change things. You should say, Oh, God, renew me. Another song I grew up singing was What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And that song is. Has one of the verses that goes like this. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to pray. We're going to do that in a moment. But as we do that. I, I want you to think about how you need to respond. To this very practical message. About something we all face. And probably you need to join me in praying this from Psalms 139. I learned this under the tutelage of my mother as a young child. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked or grievous way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. Would you be so bold to pray that today? God, would you search me? so that I am not led away by my desire, so that I'm not deceived, so that I don't act in disobedience and experience death. Would you search me, God? And would you change me through trials and tribulation? Would you allow me to see the friend I have in Jesus? Let's pray. God, I pray in this moment that you would work in a mighty way in our hearts and minds. Give us freedom to hear from you and then to act on your voice. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, wherever you are, whether in this room or watching online, I want to ask you that question. Have you ever begun a relationship with the living Lord Jesus? Have you ever taken that step to follow Jesus and yield control of your life to Him? You'll never battle life's temptations until you've first done that.